Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader, audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but... There's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. The season is upon us, at least practically. And I don't know how much all of you care about predictions, but since I just shared who I see playing for the title, I figured I should go through the major individual awards and tell you who I like and why. Whether that's for betting purposes or simply something to gauge versus your own favorites through the course of the season, I'll leave that up to you. But in the same way I think the odds makers' current favorites to reach the finals are misguided, I see some picks for awards that don't make a whole lot of sense, and others that do. And since I discounted last year's preseason MVP favorite Luka Doncic, and mentioned Nikola Jokic as a better bet, I'm going to do all the awards and see if I can be just as prescient. Actually, I take that back. I'm not going to select a coach of the year or analyze the coach of the year favorites because so much of winning that award has to do with dealing with the unforeseen issues, challenges, trades, injuries, whatnot that come up during the course of the season and how a coach prepares his team for the end of the season, how much he gets out of it. So it's really, we're working with a lot of unknowns and odds and ends, more so even than with the players. So that's one category that I won't get into. And programming note, there is more variation among odds makers on the awards than there is on who they like for the finals. I'm particularly intrigued by VegasInsider.com because they're thinking aligns 
more closely to mine than some of the others. Uh, they all have the same candidates, basically in the same order, but the separation between them is where the variation comes into the picture. So if there's a major discrepancy between one or the other, I will mention it. And with that, let's start with Defensive Player of the Year. Oddsmakers currently have either Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz winning it for the fourth time in five years, or Ben Simmons winning it for the first time. Those both strike me as risky propositions. There's a good chance that Gobert falls victim to voter fatigue. I'm not saying it's right, I'm just saying it happens. Along with a general disappointment in the Jazz not living up to their league-leading regular season record by getting knocked out in the second round by a Kawhi Leonardless Los Angeles Clippers team. There isn't supposed to be carryover from the previous season in voters' minds, but let's face it, there is. Giannis Antetokounmpo can speak to that. I've even heard some tout the idea that there should be carryover, that the past playoff performances should count in how we look at a player the following season, which to me seems rather absurd, but what are you going to do? As for Ben Simmons... I don't get that at all. The dude hasn't been training. He's currently half-assing it in practice. And he could very well spend the first 25 to 30 games schlepping around, disgruntled, waiting for the Sixers to move him. I can't imagine a more unlikely set of circumstances for a player to win any award, much less defensive player of the year where... It's all about sacrificing and doing the little things for your team, which Ben Simmons is not in the mind of doing for these Philadelphia 76ers. Anthony Davis is also a favorite on some boards, which really mystifies me. Is that because the rest of the Lakers are so dubious defensively? They figure he'll have a lot of cleanup work to do? Again, it's hard to win Defensive Player of the Year or make an all-defensive team when your team doesn't play good defense. And I'm hard-pressed to find a reason to believe the Lakers are not going to struggle at the defensive end. Defense requires expending a lot of energy. Expending a lot of energy results in being more susceptible to injury. I don't see AD or the Lakers asking him to push the envelope and risk losing him to yet another stint in street clothes. Because of the carryover effect, I like the chance of Drew Holiday being in this year's race and getting long overdue recognition for his defense. Everyone had a chance to see just how smart, tough, and willing he is in the Bucks championship run. The key will be improving on their overall defense, which was 10th in the league last season. Now, Drew currently has the eighth longest odds, despite being an all-defensive selection three of the last four years. Again, I think that's a plus for him. People are already recognizing him as a great defensive player, even if he hasn't been in the defensive player of the year conversation. So it begs to reason that people are going to finally wake up and say, hey, by the way, Drew's a championship caliber defender bucks probably wouldn't have won a championship without his defense maybe it's time to recognize that bam Adebayo is another long shot candidate i like 
simply because I expect the Miami Heat to be better defensively with the additions of Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker. Again, I can't remember a player who won Defensive Player of the Year playing for a team that didn't collectively play defense well. And Bam is currently 7th on the board at plus 1,300, which is just ahead of Drew. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. On to the most improved player award, where... Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Zion Williamson are the favorites, followed closely by Michael Porter Jr. I don't love any of those, largely because they've already put up healthy numbers before. And if I know my voters, and I think I do, they look for someone who has a major increase in their stats from one year to the next, which makes Jordan Poole of the Golden State Warriors a really viable candidate, since He'll be starting in place of Klay Thompson and taking up the minutes of Kelly Oubre Jr. after averaging a modest 19 minutes and 12 points a game last season. And Poole is listed at 50-1 to 1 with a host of other players, including Tyler Harrow and Terry Rozier. Lonzo Ball with the Chicago Bulls could have a breakout year as well, more so with assists than points. And he's a 30-to-1 choice. Now, he averaged less than six dimes a game last year, and he's never averaged more than seven for a season. And I actually could see him competing for the assist title this season. The Bulls are going to play fast, and he's got an array of guys to lob the ball to on the break, from Zach Levine to Nikola Vucevic to Derek Jones Jr. They're loaded offensively, and... They really don't have another playmaker other than Zach and Alex Caruso. And neither one of them is in the category of Lonzo when it comes to a guy who's looking, constantly looking to find someone to get them the ball. Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Memphis Grizzlies is another intriguing candidate at 16-1. to He missed most of last season, and while he averaged 17 points the year before, he's got a lot of room to grow as a rebounder and in his scoring efficiency. With Jonas Valanciunas now in New Orleans and Jaron having had time to grow into his body now that he's 21, he should get a lot more paint touches and a lot more touches overall. He's never averaged more than 28 minutes in a season and he should be going well over... 32, 34, at the very least, this season. That means his numbers are going to go up. And when the numbers go up, the voters pay attention, at least when it comes to most improved. And it doesn't matter whether it's simply they went up because his minutes went up. Uh, Don't ask me. I always factor that in. A lot of people don't. I've seen different favorites for Rookie of the Year. Some going with number one pick, Cade Cunningham. Others going with number two pick, Jalen Green. 
And if I had to pick between those two, I would go with Cunningham. His game is more mature. He's going to have numbers beyond scoring. And I could see the Pistons having a few more wins than the Rockets. The odds on Cade are 5-2 to two, and Jalen 13-4. I see some solid dark horses in the mix, starting with Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors and Davion Mitchell of the Kings, both of whom are at 12-1. to one. I also like Alperin Sengun for the Rockets. He probably isn't going to beat out Jalen, but he could steal some votes from him or persuade voters to go in another direction. Again, well, we'll get to it. With the two two six men from the same team making the ballots, I, I just find it hard to believe that two rookies of the year from the same team are going to be on the ballot. But... Who knows? In any case, Sengun has a, an incredibly mature game for a 19-year-old. It's hard for me to imagine, short of injury, that he would be on ballots ahead of Green. But who knows? We'll see. The favorite, and this gets to the subject I was about to hit, the favorite for sixth man of the year is the Utah Jazz's Jordan Clarkson again. And again, I could see voter fatigue playing a factor, especially since Jordan beat out his Jazz teammate, Joe Ingles, who finished second last year. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I had an issue with two six-men candidates coming from the same team to begin with. And I hope the rest of the voters come around to the same thinking at this point. I mean, seriously, how can you have two sixth men <laughs> Clarkson is given 11 to 2 odds to repeat while Kevin Herter from Atlanta is next at 11 to 1 I actually like Bobby Portis of the Milwaukee Bucks at 20 to 1 he's dealing with a strained hamstring right now but once he's healthy I could see him siphoning off minutes from starting center Brooke Lopez and even closing games on the front line alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo as either a stretch four or five. Brooke is way better defensively than he's given credit for, and he he showed what he's capable of in these last playoffs more than I can ever remember. He's more mobile than you think he is by the way that he moves, but Portis is extremely versatile. I mean, he's the modern-day five, if not four, and is a perfect complement to Giannis. Those guys are potentially interchangeable just because of their size and agility. Uh, Jordan Poole, who I mentioned for most improved, is another intriguing option at 40 to 1. And it will come down to when Clay Thompson gets back, which presumably will mean Poole then comes off the bench. And if he does that enough, to meet the criteria for six-man qualification, he'll have the numbers from all those starters minutes but technically qualify as a sixth man. When voters don't care that a team is promoting two sixth men and puts both of them on their three-man ballot, they're not going to care that their sixth-man choice was a starter for the first several months of the season. I might, but I'm guessing the vast majority of voters won't based on past behavior. 
All right, so save the big one for last. And man, I remain as flabbergasted that Luka Doncic is the favorite to win MVP going into this season as I was when he was the favorite going into last season. I actually like all of the next three candidates behind him, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, more than I do Doncic. Embiid is going to have the motivation to show the Sixers Sixers are just fine without Ben Simmons. And if Joel stays healthy, I think he'll have the chance to do exactly that. Repeating as the best team in the East will be tough, but if Embiid gets them anywhere close without Simmons, that's going to make an impression on the voters. Then there's Kevin Durant, who's coming in with a full head of steam after his performance winning gold in Tokyo. It just feels like this is the time for KD to step forward and put his stamp on I'm the best player in the game right now. He's going to get some heavy competition because that is up for debate. And it's up for debate with the next candidate, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who also enters the season on a roll as the league's defending champion and finals MVP. Now, this would be his third award in four years, which is very exclusive company. But if he plays with the same aggression and solid decision-making he displayed in the playoffs... And the Bucks, and this is probably the most important element between him and KD, whether it's fair or not. But if the Bucks finish with a better record than the Nets, I could see that being the tiebreaker for between him and, and KD. Which, however it goes, if one or the other wins, it will make for an even better postseason matchup should we get a chance to see them go head-to-head again. If you're looking for long shots, I like James Harden at 22 to 1, Paul George at 40 to 1, and Zach Levine at 80 to 1. Don't forget, there was some debate at one point last season who the Nets' best player was because Harden was doing such a great job of blending playmaking with scoring. I have to presume if he's healthy, he will be doing the same this season. PG will have a chance to run the Clippers show for however however long Kawhi Leonard is out, and I fully expect the Clippers to be a lot better than people are expecting. Their over-under line for wins is 44.5, and and I fully expect them to flirt with 50 wins, which opens the door for PG to receive credit for the bump. I also like Zach, simply because the odds are so long. The Bulls should be infinitely better. And as Chicago's best player and resident all-star, there's a good chance that he'll get the lion's share of credit for that. All right, that does it for this last preseason episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We obviously have the opening games tomorrow, the Warriors visiting the Lakers, the Bucks, and the Nets. Two terrific games. I'm going to try to limit my analysis of those games to simply what we see in those games, as opposed to taking them as referendums for what we expect from those teams overall. But 
I would expect that you are going to see all four teams try to put their best foot forward, try to make a statement considering who they're playing in particular. But we shall see. Just exciting, the fact that we're going to finally see it. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.